Good evening and welcome to another edition of Reporters Roundtable. We are coming to you from Voice of America in Washington. I'm Douglas Mpuga. This evening we talk about the turmoil and recent uprisings in South Africa. And just tonight is my colleague, Vincent Macquarie, Managing Editor, TV English to Africa. Uh, Vincent, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. You're very much welcome. And joining us is regular panelist, Raymond Mugula, who's joining us from Durban, South Africa. He's an independent political analyst. Uh, welcome to the show, Suleiman. Thank you very much for inviting me. You're very much welcome. As uh, I said, mm-hmm. we're talking about the situation in Southern <laughs> Africa, especially in South Africa, where there recently there was some uprising, some looting, some killings. Uh, first of all, uh, Suleiman, how is the situation now? The situation on the ground at the moment is coming down. The looting has stopped, but... Uh, the repercussions are the one being addressed right now. There is a lot of activity both in in Durban and in Johannesburg. A lot of government officials. Actually, what is happening? The mood is uh, uh, best to describe it is uh, the after effects of a tornado. For example, for you, if you had um, Hurricane Katrina, I think for South Africa, this is an equivalent of Hurricane Katrina. The regions which were looted are highly traumatized. The whole country is generally traumatized so much that up to today, it is even very difficult for government and most of the political analysts to explain what happened. There are lots of questions. And if you can allow me to ask and answer, for example, others have characterized it as an insurrection. But is, was it an insurrection? The answer is no. Others, government, the government line is that there were activities which were aimed at creating an insurrection, to, in, to incite an insurrection. Is that correct? The answer is no. Was it a violent riot? The answer is no. Was it a violent demonstration? The answer is no. Was it an uprising because of poverty, uh, inequality, and unemployment? The answer is no. So right now, as a country, many of the political analysts are moving around that one. Others are calling it a counter-revolutionary plot or not, not, not even a coup, others are saying it is a counter-revolutionary plot. So even as a country, we have not been able to come to terms to understand what actually happened. I see. Um, Vincent, that's interesting because uh, say what you will, it must be one of those two, one of those things enumerated. <laughs> you know, definitely something happened and uh, something extremely violent and destructive happened in South Africa. In uh, mm. especially the cities in, in Durban, you know, KwaZulu-Natal and uh, what we saw partly in, in uh, Johannesburg. Uh, obviously, there was uh, a lot of action there, which was in positive action. Yes. Now, someone may wonder, was there any organization? Uh, was uh-huh. this one of those that can be characterized as a, a pre-planned uh, activity that maybe had the leadership 
uh, it wasn't. It's clear that it wasn't. Now, this started off as a protest against the incarceration of Jacob Zuma. And uh, yes. some people felt that uh, his supporters were out on the streets because they had a problem, uh, of course, of, of him being asked to go to prison, which is typical. Politicians have followers. Politicians have supporters who don't care whether a person is, uh, you know, a crook or perhaps has there's legitimacy in him being taken to court. They will come rally around him. But then what followed actually was very disturbing for a person looking inside from outside. was very disturbing because it was no more a protest on the streets calling mm-hmm. on the release of Jacob Zuma. It was not a discussion about the politics of the country to the extent that somebody could say this was an insurrection against the status quo. But what happened, what we saw was uh, looting. What we saw was violence, was uh, burning up of factories and destruction on the streets. And uh, if you were to think of it as perhaps a situation where poor people took advantage to go into supermarkets and uh, help themselves with the wares there to the electronic stores and get themselves things they never had before then again you'll wonder then how do you explain the fact that we saw people who look like they're financially stable they're driving sleek uh you know uh, four by four cars and they also stopped and packed up things in the in the in the boots of their vehicles so for me it made me think there has to be something wrong fundamentally wrong with the society in south africa uh and because it reminded me of those xenophobia-driven riots again that we witnessed a few years ago. And you could see that there was a lot of destruction. There was always a lot of meaningless, senseless, for example, attacks and burning of businesses, but also of looting. I I fear that it could be that the people of South Africa have gotten so desperate because of the inability of the government to take care of their needs such that they do not see some of these economic symbols of uh, economic development as uh, representing them. So for them, uh, going in, taking, destroying, it kind of is a way of protesting against what they see as their lot in life, that they have no stake in what's going on in the country, they have no benefit from what the government is doing, whether it is economical or political. It is a sense, I think, some sense of being detached from the system. And so going out, taking, destroying, burning is a demonstration of I am not really part of this. It's a symbol of oppression. It's a symbol of my – it reminds me of my – Misery, my poverty, whichever way you may look at it, not necessarily even uh, lack of uh, necessities because some of those people who did this obviously are okay economically. But I think it is a, a kind of a disenchantment with the system itself and a feeling of disconnect with the system, uh, the governmental system of South Africa. Uh, Suleiman, uh, following up on recent point there, if many people have observed that uh, the Zuma arrest was the spark of all this, so 
if it was a spark, what did it spark? What not did it touch on people's uh, behavior to act the way they did? Actually, to put it uh, briefly, uh, uh, Vincent has got my line of understanding of the situation, which many, politici- many political observers have not seen, including the government. As Vincent has said, Zuma was just a spark, but he also had an indirect contribution. The incarceration of Zuma was just a spark for the whole thing. Otherwise, the way, if I can uh, straighten up what Vincent has said, what happened was a looting spree. A looting spree, which is not first of its nature. The way Vincent has said, they have been looting, spontaneous looting in this country before. For example, the xenophobic lootings. They come, they are demonstration, they become violent, they burn, they destroy property, and then they go. Before, 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 before COVID, before the lockdown, we had an average of about 10 demonstrations every day in South Africa. So the question of demonstration, that is very normal. But what was the cause of the whole thing? There are two principal factors. One, the most important, the two most important factors that caused the whole uh, saga. Number one is the lack of trust. Vincent put it in another way. It has been a gradual process that the poor people have lost trust into the leadership of this country. It has been gradual. As Vincent has said, ever since the whole saga started around 2008, Mandela, Mbeki, time, that one, the government was together with the people. Mbeki government was together with the people. The question of, of poverty, unemployment, and inequality is an inherited factor which has been going around. Actually, it is the basis of leadership in South Africa. Every leader who comes has to touch that one. They are always, there is a continuous process of addressing it. You can only question the, the, the speed, but you cannot say they are not being addressed. They are being addressed. The speed might be slow. It is there. The population is aware. But one lacking point was that there was lack of trust. That lack of trust began collapsing ever since Zuma came into power. When Zuma was coming into power, he came through a very fractious uh, process which divided the ANC itself and its leadership. When he entered, he entered on a factional line and then he started um, uh, transforming government or uh, disorganizing government into in, in order for him to survive. So he touched so many. He disorganized the government processes. He, dis, he disorganized the government functions. So his partisan politics within the ANC um, spilled over in government. And then it began happening in government. You began getting jobs for pals. You began getting uh, corruption. You began getting... So you'll find that the administrative or governance systems be, began to weaken. Municipalities began to, co- to collapse. The, the provincial governments began to, 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 to stagger. So in other words, as they are doing that up to the end when they removed him, there has been a lack of confidence from the people. 
as Vincent has said, we have got a population, the, 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 the Zuma factor lighted a population where you are having people who are already almost hopeless or who don't have confidence in the government saying these ones are corrupt, they have stolen, I don't have a, a, a stake to, 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 to protect. Therefore, I can also take a portion. In any case, what I'm stealing is less than what they have stolen. So there was that uh, that feeling within the population. They didn't see it as a mistake. That is why one one can explain why on Monday the president appealed to people to stop looting, but they continue to, to they, they continue to 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 loot. If the leadership had the confidence of the people. When Chris Hani was killed, the, the country was going on fire. Mandela just stood and said there will be no demonstration. There was there will be no protesting. The whole country kept quiet. There was a time when the, there was inter cynical violence. Mandela and other leadership stood up and said it has to stop. And it stopped. This time, the president of the nation asked the people to stop looting. They continued to loot. I think there is a, a disconnect between the leadership and the people whom they lead. Another factor, if you want me to continue or to give you some time. Uh, let's first uh, remind our listeners that uh, they are listening to Reporters Roundtable and we're coming to you uh, from uh, Washington. And our panelists are my colleague, Vincent Makori, Managing Editor, TV English to Africa, and Suleiman Mugula, an independent political analyst in Durban, South Africa. And I'm your host, Douglas Mpoga, here in Washington. Uh, uh, Suleiman, let's first go back to this, and then you can allow it to continue. Let's first digest, no, what, no let's first digest what he just said. Uh, whatever it is, because Mandela was um, in a class of his own, but whatever the faults of Zuma... It took Zuma's arrest for all this to happen. So is, is Zuma Vicent so close to the masses than anybody else? Is his support that strong? Yes, I'm, I may not be in South Africa right now, but from what I've been hearing from the people, from my sources there, uh, Zuma may be popular, but he's not necessarily ex- that uh, popular as to bring the country down, as to... Yes. ignite, uh, you know, the entire country to burn it down. No. He, in fact, uh, some have told me that uh, even some of, uh, uh, you know, in terms of the political popularity, Zuma did lose some positions, some pl- election elections around his own home area. So it doesn't necessarily mean that he's hugely popular. Uh, what happened was that, of course, every politician has some people that support him. He's a populist. There are people who have always wanted to, you know, who have thought he represents them, who have thought he's, uh, he, he's almost like one of them. And and, and so, it, of course, it's not surprising to see, uh, you know, people rally around Zuma. Uh, but you could say this. When it started, there might have been a few hundreds of people who came out to protest against Jacob Zuma. A few minutes after that, all the other thousands of people came out and started looting and started the mayhem. They had no Zuma in their mind. They had no Zuma in their agenda. They were not even thinking about Zuma. They were simply 
taking, destroying, and going home. You could overhear their conversations. They were not talking about we want Zuma out or we want, you know, justice. They were literally talking about take. I'm taking this. We are taking what we need to take. Some people are, you know, a few people openly said they need to take those things because they feel that they they lack those things that the government is not providing. So I don't think the Zuma factor is, was as significant. The Zuma factor was a trigger, was just a spark. And I, I'm sure even some of the people who may genuinely, who may have wanted to genuinely demonstrate in support of Zuma deep in their hearts, they must be very disappointed because this thing turned literally criminal. It turned into wanton destruction of our people's own country. The way the people behaved, you would, uh, you could see, see very clearly that they did not see any connection between the stores and the factories and, they, and themselves. They didn't see any relationship between the government of the day, between the economic system of the day with their own lives. They were like people coming from outside uh, and, and, and taking things and going back to where they belong. They didn't care that this is going to have any impact on the economy. They didn't even care about the people who are employed in, this, in these places, uh, that those people are going to be jobless. So I do agree with uh, Mugula that, in fact, uh, this was, uh, it, wasn't, it was inexplicable, the actions of these people, but obviously it did not have a clear agenda in, in terms of the issue of the day, which was Zuma and, of course, the corruption charges. But they probably are taking the cue from the political system, the political leaders of the country where corruption has gone on for a long time, no action. action. In, in any case, somebody could say Zuma could have been used as a model. You know, you can take. You can take as much as you want and nothing is supposed to happen to you. So if so-and-so could take... If such and such people could enrich themselves, uh, you know, with the resources of the country, why shouldn't I take? Why shouldn't I have some of this? And I think that is the rationale behind the people who are on the, on the streets taking, looting, and burning. Uh, Suleiman, so, uh, what many people noticed is that the looting and the destruction was not <laughs> against neighbors. Neighbors were not affected. They were not attacking people's homes. They were attacking factories, malls, businesses, burning this and that. To what extent do you think this was a more of a class uh, conflict than uh, anything else? Okay, before I come to the class conflict, to summarize up what uh, uh, Vincent has said, as far as Zuma is concerned, if Vincent, you agree with me from what I'm picking from you and which what what I'm agreeing with you is that as far as Zuma's contribution, about five percent is about his incarceration. The people would have been demonstrating. If I'm to apportion it, about five percent would be concerned about the fact that he has been incarcerated. But about because of his regime and the state capture and corruption, you may find it makes the 95% of what may have caused it as a causative factor, as a, a, a catalyst to the insurrection. 
So if the insurrection in relation to Zuma, if you want to apportion it in relation to Zuma, take 5% for his imprisonment. Take 95% for the activities of his regime. The in the whatever the, the the shortcomings of his regime as regards corruption and so on and so forth because you are you are talking of the the misery of the people the 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 way the people feel what leadership should have done. Okay, as far as the class concerned, as we said, it was a spontaneous it was a spontaneous uh, reaction, and of course we cannot take away the fact that unemployment, poverty and the inequality is a contributing factor. It is a contributing factor in the underground. But we cannot say that because people feel they are so poor, they are so unemployed, that they just all of a sudden got a spark and then they went on, on the street to teach the government a lesson. I don't think that is the, the, the issue. I think the, the, the class issue, that one is just the inequality and so on, are just contributing factors or catalysts. The second point which I wanted to look at, which was the cause of all the, the misery which we are in, which I feel is the most important, is the question of the lack of leadership at the most uh, uh, or at the critical time. There was no leadership, Douglas and Vincent, at the time when people needed it. The, the, for example, if, if I may take it systematically, when I talk of uh, lack of leadership, is that, number one, Zuma is a national leader. They knew he's a politician and he has got some support. They, they know that this country, this country demonstrations are allowed. This is a democratic country. Obviously, they knew that incarcerating him the day they take him, there will be demonstration. Did they make a plan? Did they have intelligence for it? On that day, they looked to have had no, no preparation for any demonstrations whatsoever because they didn't attempt to stop it. Number two, Zuma's supporters were unapologetic. They were open. On the, they held a meeting before his incarceration, and they were very open that should he be touched, they are going to demonstrate. Literally and figuratively, they promised war. If there was leadership, what preparations did they make in case there is those threats are held on. They went ahead to implement a threat. We don't know whether it is because of them. But if the, 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 the security system was prepared, if the leadership was prepared, they should have not blinked. They should have not slept before the, 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 the whole saga is settled. Number three, the security system, from the day it began, it took them almost 72 hours to appear on site. They were nowhere at all. Much as they were, they, they were, they were overwhelmed. But there is no area where, after when the demonstration, when the routing started, that you could see a policeman trying to stop it. They just disappeared. Hmm? Number three, even the leadership itself, after a day, for example on Monday, they appeared, and they saw them. They were seeing television. The televisions was was showing live looting everywhere, but you couldn't see the leadership mobilizing the the security forces to uh, to come and stop it. And you cannot say that the police, the the security 
system was, was overwhelmed. No, mm. it is the leadership which did not give leadership to the security system. I the see. South African security system is capable mm. of looking after that, uh, looking after that, and it's capable was capable of stopping it any time, any minute. I see. Well, uh, South Africa is one of Africa's most stable, developed economies. And if this can happen in South Africa, referring to what Mugula says is the lack of leadership and in the combination of unemployment, poverty, inequality, and the recent uh, pent-up anger due to the lock- coronavirus lockdowns. Uh, Vicent, to, to what extent do you think could explode across the continent? I still have to say that this is a very unique South African phenomenon yeah. because, yeah. Uh, frankly speaking, there have been protests across the continent. We have seen, uh, you know, upheavals in different countries. We've seen, uh, for example, what happened across the continent a few years ago and even latest uh, some, uh, you know, some of those, uh, uh, you know, massive protests in Sudan that overthrew governments. Uh, we have seen demonstrations in the past, even in countries like Kenya, where the demonstrations, protests would actually paralyze the country. But what will, what's the difference? The people normally have leadership and there's an agenda. If we're going to protest yeah. against a certain form of injustice, people go on the streets and demonstrate and they have an agenda and they have leadership. In all this protest we have seen, people don't just pour out on the streets and steal and burn up uh, you know, factories, we know that looting is stealing. It's just another word for stealing. Now, because we are aggrieved about something, because people want to protest against what they may perceive as an injustice, does it turn people automatically into thieves? Do I go out and steal suits and, and, and uh, you know, and electronics because I am uh, angry, you know, regarding a particular issue? No. So there has to be an examination and a very honest reflection yeah. on South Africans, like what, yeah. is it, what is it about our society that transforms people instantaneously into thieves, mm-hmm. open-day yeah. thieves, because losing mm-hmm. is stealing. If you are ha- Being hungry does not make you a thief. There are so many people in this mm-hmm. world who are struggling, who can hardly put a, you know, a meal on their table. They don't think of stealing. So there has to be an examination, and I, and that's why I don't think this is something that we're going to see in other countries. Yes, there will be protests, there will be upheavals, there will be uprisings. We've seen them. We've seen uprisings across Africa, but people did not necessarily jo- go out on a wanton spree of stealing and destru- destruction of businesses because this did not seem to have any specific agenda for the common good at all. Uh, we're out of time, Suleiman. In the last 10 seconds, uh, your last word. My last word is that, yes, they have, they have arrested um, so many looters. I don't believe they deserve to be in prison. I think government needed to arrest themselves first. The, 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 the biggest culprits are the leaders themselves. People looted because they were not stopped. It was just spontaneous. They became emboldened because... Even a premier could look at them looting, and then he goes away. And they, uh, until the next day, there's nobody. So you cannot leave a flock of sheep unguarded, and you think the lions will leave it for you. It will be demanding too much from them. So they just looted. So it takes us back to the question of leadership. 
Okay. South Africa and mm. as a continent, mm. we need to shape up as far as leadership is concerned. I we see. need to give our people sincere and effective leadership. If we don't, they will eat one another. That is what we have done in South Africa. Well, we are out of time. Let's hope things stabilize in South Africa and, and, and the region. We didn't talk about what happened in, in the neighborhood there again. Yeah. But uh, that will be for another time. That wraps up this edition of Reporters Roundtable. Thank you to my colleague, Vincent Macori, Managing Editor, TV mm-hmm. English to Africa. Uh, Vincent, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And Suleiman, thank you to Suleiman Mugulani, Independent Political Analyst, based in Lebanon, South Africa. Suleiman, thanks as usual. The pleasure of mine. You're very much welcome. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Reporters Roundtable. Once again, thanks very much for tuning in. And until next week, I'm your host, Douglas Simpuka, wishing you all the best. Hello, this is James Barton, Managing Editor and host of VOA's Daybreak Africa show. Join us Monday through Friday at 03, 04, 05, and 0600 hours UTC as we bring you the latest Africa news, features, and sports. You can also be a part of Daybreak Africa through our mail segment by sending your comments to daybreakafrica at voanews.com. Or you can call us on 001-202-205-9942. And when you hear the Voice of America identification, press the number 25 to leave us your message. That's Daybreak Africa at 03, 04, 05, and 0600 hours UTC right here on VOA Africa. The Voice of America's flagship global news program, International Edition, brings you an in-depth look at the biggest stories of the day. Nobody covers the world more comprehensively than VOA. We have hundreds of reporters gathering the news and the views of the most seasoned experts on international issues. Tune in Monday through Friday at 17 UTC and 2230 UTC. We're also available online at VOA.